Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to our guest today, the co-founder and CEO of Boost Media Group, Jeff Polvino. Boost Media Group is a full-service digital marketing and lead generation agency that specializes in web development, online marketing, and sales optimization. Jeff has also built, managed, and consulted a wide variety of industries for the past 20 years, proving his skills are translatable in all kinds of environments. His success can be attributed to his ability to think outside the box and helping companies innovate beyond the paradigms of self-limiting belief systems. Today, we're going to talk about how Jeff has had success with helping businesses achieve their online marketing goals through digital marketing solutions. We're going to learn what's worked from Jeff's experience, what could be avoided, and how some businesses are missing the mark. Jeff, welcome. Stacy, thank you so much for having me. Super happy to have you here today. And I would love to start the conversation off having our listeners learn a little bit more about who you are and what got you to where you are today. Well, you know, uh, being that this is about like how to avoid mistakes, I think it's a pretty interesting story that we uh, ended up in marketing or digital marketing by accident or out of necessity. Um, my business partner and I, we've been entrepreneurs for close to 20 years. And if you remember when the real estate market crashed about 10 years ago, we were um, in a real estate investment company doing about $25 million a year. And when the market completely fell out, we were sitting there. We, at the time, we were in 30,000 square feet employing close to 200 people. And we were like, what are we going to do? And so... Uh, we had always done our own marketing, so we had our own internal marketing department, and you know that was kind of like right when Facebook was coming on the scene and taking off. So we decided to spin out that group and start a marketing agency. And here you here we are, you know, uh, ten years later. It'll be our ten year anniversary uh, in January. So um, it's just a, a really good uh, testament of of how being creative when dealing with hard situations. And finding, you know, how to make the best out of the opportunity to avoid the collapse of, of what we were doing in the, in the real estate space, I think is, we, we, you know, we're dealing with some mistakes right there. Well, that's awesome. Now, this is a completely different industry for you. So that was just a 180. Was that eye-opening to have that as an experience? Oh, it was eye-opening and extremely frustrating to be, uh, you know, completely honest and transparent because, um we were doing our own marketing, but we we weren't an agency. I had never worked in an agency. I was an entrepreneur. We had this team in-house that was doing web development and creatives and, and marketing and press releases. And, and But to work, to go from working for your own company and making it successful where you really understand your vision and then trying to help other companies with that, it was, it was uh, we made a lot of mistakes. Like I, I'm probably made more mistakes than maybe anybody else you've had on the call uh, or on the, on the webinar before uh, on podcasts, because uh, you know, we had no idea what we were getting into. And, you know, we went, um, you know, very aggressive. 
let's hire a sales team. We started selling a tremendous amount of business because we focused on social media. It was the newest, hottest thing. And before you know it, uh, you know, we were, we had customers leaving out the back doors as fast as we were bringing them in the front door. And after about a year in business, we said, look, let's, let's stop sales altogether. Let's just, we've got this good book of business. Let's just focus on fulfillment. And, you know, we actually stayed the course focusing on fulfillment for about five years before we implemented any new sales and marketing efforts, just because we got so good at the fulfillment, we were growing by word of mouth. We didn't really need a sales team. That's great. And then eventually you reach that peak of an agency's life where you find that you have to start knocking on doors again. Yes. No matter what you have to. Yes. Yeah. It's nice at the beginning though. Sometimes it's like it comes to you and you're able to grow. Yeah. yeah. We, we were grooving like that for a little while and it was, it was very fun. Um, but we've also planned accordingly implementing a lot of back-end infrastructure, um, infrastructure technology stack, project management systems, you know, duplicatable uh, project templates, um, budgeting, you know, everything you really need, needed to learn as an agency, which probably took us 10 times longer than anybody else because we had no agency experience when we started. So we learned all that the hard way. And, um, you know, we came out the other side with a, a lot of infrastructure and the ability to scale. So, um, you know, Sometimes when you learn things the hard way, you get really good at it. Well, if you're scrappy, you can be really <laughs> successful. I've been known to be a little scrappy. <laughs> there you go. So, okay. So you started off this whole boom of Facebook and the digital world. And where I was just introducing you, we were talking about all the different things that you do as an agency. What is it that at your core you specialize in? I know it's a lot of different industries, but in general, when you're working with a client, what is it that you're offering them and how are you approaching it? You know, where we're different than uh, any other agency out there is, is how we tackle strategy. Um, you know, the, the facts are, if you were to look at like data stats, it, over 80% of businesses don't have a written marketing plan or a written marketing strategy. But that, that's all businesses. When you look at, you know, the fact that like Cisco Systems has a marketing strategy, but most small business owners don't, it's really more like 99.9% .9 of the businesses that I run into don't have any written marketing plan or strategy. And it's kind of like going, uh, you know, breaking ground on building a house without a blueprint. Like nobody would ever do it. They would never allow it. But, you know, when it comes to marketing, most businesses, they don't take the time to put pen to paper and develop a strategy. And what we do is, before we engage with any customer on how we're going to handle their social media marketing or their uh, lead generation campaigns or uh, their content and blogging, um, building a funnel, we uh, go through a marketing strategy workshop with them, which takes about three, four weeks. And we dive really in depth, understanding their business goals um, so that we can, you know, analyze the marketplace, the competition and develop the strategy that makes sense that actually is going to help them hit their business goals. Instead of like putting something together, that's just going to um, get them more impressions uh, in paid search or in Facebook. We want to engineer something that's actually going to help them increase their revenue or increase their profitability. And so um, what we found is that's uh, really been the, the driving factor of how we're able to engineer success with our clients and build long-term relationships with them. And, and help them achieve meaningful goals that impact their bottom line instead of vanity metrics. 
And most of the brands you're working with now, most of the companies you're working with are um, in the fitness, wellness, health industries, right? Or is it a farther reach than that? It's a much farther reach than that. We work with all kinds of different businesses from um, car dealerships, boating manufacturers, uh, uh, you know, gyms, fitness influencers, um, fitness models, uh, uh, Inc. 5000 fastest growing customer list. Like, you know, um, uh, it's, it, it's really all over the board. We've had a, a huge success with one of our influencers uh, by the name of Jeremy Buendia in the fitness industry. And we've published a case study on that um, funnel that we built where we've generated seven figures of income for him and, and ourselves as a, as a business partner. Um, and so we, we have a lot of momentum in the fitness space, but we don't, we're not exclusive to the fitness space. How is it different approaching working with an influencer versus a, you know, retail or a coach or a service or another type of business? You know, um, I think it's, in some aspects, it's very similar. I look at an influencer and instead of them being like Adidas or Gold's Gym, it's Jeremy Buendia, but it's his personal brand. And what does he stand for? So we really take an influencer through the same branding workshop that we would any other business. And instead of like identifying the brand of the business, we're identifying the brand of the influencer, what their values are, uh, how they want to generate income and so on. And, and we reverse engineer it that way. Um, I think that what we've learned by working with different influencers over the years is uh, you can't fake passion. Like you've got to be able to peel back the layer on working with that influencer and find out what they're truly passionate about. And it can't just be being an influencer. Like with Jeremy, he's extremely passionate about bodybuilding and fitness and you know, his workouts and what he puts in to write a workout routine that's better than anybody else's in the industry. You can't fake that. That's all comes from him. And we're not, you know, we're not using some fitness writer to do that. And because of that passion that he has and that, that true talent and, and what he's good at, and he's able to resonate with his audience. That's, that's that kind of, um, you know, perfect mix that, that allows us to go out and build something that can actually, you know, accelerate and, and grow sales. And when you started working with him, and I'm just, I'm fascinated with the fact that you're working with influencers because that crosses over into what we do. On the flip side, we don't represent influencers, but we do a lot of brand partnerships with influencers and our door gets knocked on all the time by individuals who say that they want to help have their brand built. So I'm just curious to see how you approach that. Um, when you were working with Jeremy originally, was it more along the lines of you knew that he wanted to create a product and you were going to market it? Or was it a standalone, let's take your brand, let's build it and see how we can market you. And then you created the product line. You know, uh, when we met Jeremy, he was wanting to build a website to sell like t-shirts and things like that. And okay. so his buddy, um, Concio had built the website like as far as Concio could build it. And he was looking for somebody to do some finishing touches on it and do the things that he couldn't do. So we got hired to do that, like right in between his second and third Olympia. And we did our work and I'm chasing him down for like, it must've been under $2,000. And I'm, and you know, I, I was kind of joking with him because we'd become friends. And I said, Jeremy, you know, it's not like you owe me a lot of money. Like you're, you know, you're at the top of your game. You, you've got a, a Mr. Olympia, title and belt and you're going into your third Olympia like 
why are you making me hunt you down for this? And he's, he's like, you know, I'm not making a lot of money, Jeff. Like I'm, I might be lucky if I make six figures this year in between everything I've got to spend on the sport, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to, to survive. And, and it, it blew me away because I was, I was relatively new to marketing, building an agency, never being in an agency. And I'm looking at this guy going, you know, he's at the top of his game. He's got the clout and the recognition to a certain extent, even the start of a following, but no idea how to monetize it. And so it was kind of like, you know, like let's put our hands you know, together and, and roll up our sleeves and figure out what are we going to do here to, you know, establish his brand outside of bodybuilding and his Olympia title. And what does that stand for? And what kinds of products and services can we sell? And so we, we really developed it all from the ground up and made a lot of mistakes and learned things the hard way. And, and, but it forced us to be successful. Like, like I think Jeremy was at a point in his career where he, he had the cloud, but he wouldn't have been able to hire us to do what we were able to do because he couldn't have afforded it at that time. And so we took a risk as an agency seeing the trends with influencers going, we want to really jump in and be a part of this. And so that risk really paid off for both of us. And, and I think that the fact that as an agency, we were willing to take that risk and bet on him and it worked out well, which is that gave us the, the recognition in the industry and the clout to, you know, have people coming to us to do more of that. Well, for two partners who fell into owning an advertising agency, that's a pretty good thing that you turned around. Yeah, it wasn't easy. There's no, there's no hair under this hat. So that's, that's the pull. <laughs> so along the way, you know, you've mentioned Legion, you've mentioned web, you've mentioned all the different digital tactics. What are some of the common mistakes that you see people making that when you start working with them, you try to write? Um, well, you know, I, I alluded to it earlier, vanity metrics, pursuing vanity metrics. It's, you know, a lot of people, and it's it's tailored off a little bit. It used to be worse, but most people in the marketing space they want to talk about likes, impressions, and you know how how well the marketing campaign is doing, which is very important. But if you don't understand how well if the marketing campaign does here, it affects the bottom line and the profitability over here, then you're never really going to develop a long term relationship with that client. And I think most clients don't. I think most clients understand. They want an ROI, but I don't think they have it defined at the level of like, hey, what does that look like? Does that mean if I'm a restaurant, does that mean I need 10 more customers at dinner every night? If I'm a car dealership, does that mean I need to sell eight more vehicles every week? And it's that level of detail of understanding and, and, and planning strategy for that engine that, that I think that we as a marketing agency need to consult with our clients on. And so the, the number one thing that I find is when somebody else has had um, uh, an experience working with another agency or whether they worked with a freelancer or was a relative or an employee is that I, I think most people today have had a bad marketing experience. And I think most people have probably um, hired or engaged in marketing with very poor planning. And so the one thing we try to correct is the, is to improve that experience by proper planning and strategy. And that's, you know, that's how we go to work in every situation. Okay. No, that's great that you don't just dive in and start going with a knee jerk reaction. 
And that's hard, especially with smaller customers sometimes because they want you to instantly start working and don't necessarily see strategizing as part of that process. Oh, and we lose customers because of it, but then we're not the ones being blamed for bad service. Like I truly have learned over the years that I'd rather lose that customer and have them not hire me than have them hire me and have it go bad and, and yep. have some negative uh, um, interpretation of how of the services we provide. So there are customers that come to us and they're like, we just want social media ads for the next 90 days. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're like, well, we won't do social media ads for you unless we sit down and level set on a strategy. And, and they're just, they're, they're want to move on and hire more of a freelancer. And, and that's good, more power to them. And, and hopefully they come back at some point. Or, or maybe they don't because they found success. But, um, and we have, we have the other end of the spectrum too, where larger companies come to us and they're like, hey, we want to hire an agency for SEO for the next six months or 12 months. And we want you guys to bid on this. And, and we tell them, well, look, we won't bid on it until we work on a strategy together. And it's a lot lower level of engagement and it's a 30 day engagement. And what we find is that once we do that with our new customer by going through the strategy workshop, it, it just builds all the rapport in the world and we're able to totally get on the same page on how to not only structure what they want and need and tailor it to their business, but now when we go to work, you know, after that uh, initial 30 days, we know exactly what we're gonna do. No questions asked, exactly what we're gonna do, what the expectation is and how we should per perform and what the goals are. And so I don't need to, wait for the customer to tell me I'm doing a good job. We now understand the metrics to know what's expected day one. And okay. so it's very refreshing from our side too. But still, it's, it's a challenge to get it to actually happen, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it just, it took, you know, we started doing this uh, several years ago, but it took drawing a line in the sand, if you will, of like, hey, this is who we are and this is how we're different. And um, that was a hard decision because you, you lose some deals by doing that at first, especially the deals that are in the pipeline that you were yeah. already courting and saying, hey, you can engage us in this level. And then we say, no, sorry, we can't do it that way anymore. So it was a little bit of a risk, but in the long run, it's been the best thing we've ever done. Yeah, I know that I, a lot of people I talk to, a lot of the experience that we have as well is with brands who are looking for that instant genie in a bottle solution. And they're not necessarily willing to put in the homework and the time it takes to bring the agency up to speed. And it's not even the agency up to speed, it's their own team and internally for them to stop all the balls from going so fast for just a moment to get everyone on the same page. Right, and a lot of times when you dig deeper and you you know, ask questions like, okay, so how much money did you spend on marketing over the last three years without a plan? And how well did it work? And you find that some of these businesses have, have and, you know, and they're cautiously optimistic because they've burned through $10,000 last year on stuff that didn't work. And so what we find is a lot of times the budget's there and, and to do it right, but they just have had such a bad experience doing it wrong. Okay, 100%. Okay, so you've done your strategy, you've sat down, you've come up with the plan, the plan of attack, yes. how you're going to proceed. You know, then, we're, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, please go. Um, you know, we're very traditional old school project management. So um, we, we focus on what are the milestones and we use uh, Zoho Projects, which is a, a traditional project management tool that has, you know, your, your milestones and your task lists and, and budgeting and tracking. And so we focus on what are the milestones, 
Um, how are we going to uh, judge the success of, of the campaign or the development work if we're doing a website or branding? Um, and uh, we track all of that in real time. Um, and, you know, we log issues anytime there's an issue in a project, uh, whether it's we can't get a logo from the customer or the website's got a, a, a glitch in it and one of the plugins aren't working. You know, what makes us able to manage the ongoing implementation and ongoing routine of a campaign is 100% our team of project managers and the project management stack and our ability to report on anything. And so our technology stack is very robust. Um, we, uh, we track all time. Uh, in real time, we take screenshots randomly every five to seven minutes of the work being done if it's billed hourly so that there's never any question of why did it take you eight hours to do this logo design? Well, let's pull up the screenshots and the records and we've got, we wanted to have complete transparency. Um, and we managed to that and managed to those milestones and goals. Do you like being on a time tracker system versus being on a flat fee project? Um, you know, we do flat fee and we, we do time track. And mm -hmm. I think on simpler projects, like, you know, if it's a mom and pop, um, you know, restaurant and they've got one or two locations, uh, something flat fee for them is all they're gonna, you know, really maybe want to tolerate or understand based mm -hmm. on what's competitive in the marketplace. And so, um, we find that that works well for smaller projects, but for larger projects, um, you know, when we lay out a marketing strategy, a lot of times we're, we're laying out a retainer and um, let's say we're budgeting a retainer of $5,000 a month for development. You've got to pivot within your hourly budgets in the beginning. Maybe you're building landing pages and more of the funnel. And so you're budgeting 10 hours a month for the first three months on landing page design, but then that pivots into SEO and pay-per-click later because you've set a budget of $5,000 a month. So the only way to really do that um, and, and truly provide the best value, in my experience, we tried it both ways. We, we prefer hourly because uh, it allows us to be very nimble. Mm -hmm. And um, if somebody, a perfect example is, um, you know, if somebody's paying a flat rate on pay-per-click ad management, and let's say a client's budget is uh, 10,000 a month, and they're paying 25%, which is 2,500, a lot of times that agency is doing as little as possible to make as much out of that 2,500. And we're, that, we went down that path in the beginning because that's how most people do it. And what we found is that it, it kind of incentivizes us to not do what's right for the client. Right. And it put it put us in a position where the, the, the less we do, the more we make. And we felt like that just was an awkward position to be in of trust. And so now if we can manage pay-per-click in, you know, uh, 10 hours a month and that only cost them $890 instead of $2,500, we're able to take that budget and now put more hours to somewhere else that's going to improve upon the campaign. And so I, I think it puts us in the same fair playing field as the client so that we're keeping their best interest at heart. 
No, that makes sense. You made a comment earlier about blogging and content creation. Is that something that you try to build into most of your clients or is that something that's just a go-to strategy in some instances now? Um, I think it depends on the goals, right? Like I think if somebody's got a, a, a very tight, small amount of budget and, you know, they start with content creation, um, they may not see an ROI, an ROI on that right away. And it's more of a long-term investment, like, you know, like buying a house, you, you know, you build all, all of that and in six months, you've got some equity to spend in 10 years, you've got a whole lot more to spend. Um, I think if a client needs an immediate ROI, ads are, are gonna be a much more formidable strategy. And what we try to engineer is a way to increase revenue in order to then increase marketing budget to do both the short-term and the long-term. So I think it depends on the set of circumstances, but in our strategy workshops, regardless of what the budget is, we do plan for that strategy. So we map out all aspects of digital marketing so that we can then determine where the low hanging fruit is based on what the, what's working for the competitors. And then when we get to the budgeting point, we can then prioritize what we're able to implement. But if six months down the road, we're able to increase sales, and now we've got the budget to do blogging, we've already mapped that out since day one. That makes sense. And how are y'all feeling about the whole Instagram, eventual Facebook plan of removing all um, likes, basically, so that you can't see how many people are liking and engaging with your uh, content? Well, I think that's just uh, another way for them to slowly push us towards, you know, only being dependent on advertising. We're not so slowly. It's, it's not slowly at this point. So aggressively push us to being yep. not, not so dependent on advertising. Um, I think they're going to have a hard time with, uh, you know, non-business personal users not being able to see that information. I think that people are very dependent upon um, that buy-in or acceptance. I think that's what's really like inspired the growth of the different social platforms. So I, I, unless they come up with some other type of metric that's gonna be instantly as gratifying to the personal user, I, I think they're gonna have a hard time pulling that completely away like they're planning. Yeah, there's something about that herd mentality and that validation of just seeing that 2,700 people like this. And you're like, oh, do they like it? I should watch this video. I should see this video. Well, right. And I mean, and seeing who liked it. I mean, yeah. I still look at who liked my post and, you yeah. know, and it's, it's a, it's a human nature curiosity thing. If I've got the time to go look, I'm going to look at who liked it, how many people. So I think that's what we've all become addictive to and expect. And so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how they're able to pull that off. Do you see any other soon to be changes in this whole digital landscape of advertising and marketing that you're experiencing right now? Oh, I'm on the, the TikTok, um, not bandwagon. I'm not, I haven't, I haven't jumped in yet, but I've been studying the hell out of it. Like yeah. I, and it's so hard cause it's like, you know, you, you see the trends and you know, something is important and you, it, but it's so counterintuitive to my genre or, or, you know, my demographic, you know, I'll be 50 next year. And so for me to try to learn yeah. how to, how to do TikTok is it's a little bit harder, but I, I truly believe you've got to follow the trends as an agency. We can't ignore where TikTok is. And so 
we're, we're consulting with some of our clients on it that are a little bit younger, younger demographics. And we're looking to like, how do we properly present TikTok to an older, more well-established company and, and make it successful for them? That's something as an agency we're, we're engineering now. And, and so it, it's not the easiest thing for me to fully embrace because like, it's not something I naturally gravitate towards going, I want to do TikTok. But it's, I, I think as an agency, we, we have to recognize where the patterns are. Look, I had my husband do um, Pokemon with me because I was so enraptured with the futures of the right. whole virtual reality. And we would walk for hours doing this because it's true. And I've, I've done the same thing to him with TikTok now. Uh, so we have to. Yeah, Pokemon was such a crazy phenomenon. I, yeah. I, can't, I still can't believe it. But yeah, you're right. And, and that's what we're trying to do. And we're, you know, we look at other, you know, LinkedIn is hot right now. And so we're doing a lot with B2B on LinkedIn um, and, and for ourselves and for other businesses and companies. Um, but we're also trying to look at, okay, well, where's the trend going? Is it Alignable that's going to be next or is it some other platform? And so we try to keep the feelers out there. So while we're perfecting what we're currently working on and notice what else is, is coming up in the, in the popularity. And with LinkedIn, with your B2B strategies, I'm always interested because we're a B2B agency and we're always marketing ourselves on LinkedIn. What are you doing for your clients there? What are the best practices that you're looking at right now? You know, we, um, we do a lot of uh, managing B2B clients' LinkedIn accounts mm -hmm. using LinkedIn Professional Sales Navigator. So in yeah. most situations, we're either helping them develop a strategy or uh, executing on some type of uh, partial sales strategy within yeah. LinkedIn, doing you know connection requests, engagement messaging, content. And um, you know I see a lot of people on LinkedIn not taking their time by what I mean is they make a connection and then the first message is, do you want to meet with me and can I sell you something? Yeah. And we try to engineer something a lot more um, like in a more of a courtship of a relationship, kind of courting them, like as if you were dating somebody and you don't jump right into like, hey, let's go steady. It's like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. I'd love to find out more about you. And we try to engineer a series of engagements along with sharing professional content and examples of your case studies, testimonials, and so on to build rapport. And I, we really advocate working up to like an introductory call where you're giving them something for free, whether it's you know, a consultative call. Like you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and, and dedicate some time to get to know somebody. LinkedIn will handle a lot of the courtship if it's done genuine and correctly, but you've ultimately got to be willing to commit time because you can't just expect a, a bot-like atmosphere to book appointments for you because it'll, it won't work. That, that's, no. that's what we help businesses do, and, and we're very successful at that with a lot of B2B companies. Yeah, and you know, we all are experiencing the, you know, there's systems in place that allow you to knock on doors and do the connections and send out the first or second or third touch point. Um, but how those are worded are incredibly vital because you can offend someone and get them to shut you down really quickly. Yeah, otherwise it's just so spammy, it's a waste yeah. of time. 
you know, yeah. like a waste of time, energy, and budget if you're not do if you're not yeah. really genuine in your messaging. What else are you looking at for B two B companies right now? Um, you know, uh, I I think direct response advertising. We do a lot of um, pay per click and um, uh, retargeting. We do a lot on social media. You know. B2B companies, it's funny, if you meet a more old school CEO, probably like what you would call myself, they would tell you, oh, Instagram's not for B2B, but you know, we see ton of success on Instagram for B2B. So it's just understanding who your target audience is, where they're hanging out and how to connect with them. So we do a whole lot more than, than LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is very, um, uh, it's, it's very low cost attention at this point. So it's definitely a driving factor. Yeah. And then the whole direct-to-consumer, the DTC market is fascinating with how the brands are building there. Oh, absolutely. Right now. Yeah. And cold email. I mean, a lot of people say email is dead, but we do a lot of cold email campaigns for B2B that do very, very well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how can our listeners, since I've just had you cover so many different topics, so our listeners all have to have something that they could be interested in across you, whether it's influencers, whether it's B2B, whether it is automotive. I mean, you have covered the gamut here. How can they get a hold of you and learn more about your company? Yeah, it, they can go to one of two places. So if they would like to go to boostmediagroup.com, it's simply boostmediagroup.com. And they can go there, check out our agency. Um, we are, uh, right now we employ close to 75 people. Um, we uh, service all different industry types. We actually just acquired a smaller agency and closed September 13th, so almost uh, two months ago. So we just went through our first acquisition. So the agency is growing like crazy. Um, you can get in touch with us there and schedule an appointment. You can request uh, me if you'd like a one-on-one, -on -one, or you can go to my personal website, which is just jeff.marketing. So no.com, jeff.marketing. You can go there. You can, anybody in the world can schedule a free 30-minute introductory call with me. I always make myself available to anybody who wants to get on a, a, a phone call or a meeting like this to talk about their business, talk about where they want to go as an entrepreneur, whatever they want. And, and I will do my best to um, you know, get on a line with them and provide massive value within those first 30 minutes without any expectation of a sale. Well, do you have been awesome today and I'm hoping people will take you up on that because I think you're a great guy to talk with and oh, we'll have lots of ideas for everyone. So thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you, Stacey. Of course. I want to thank Jeff again for joining us today and thank you all for tuning in to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Jeff's provided us with a wealth of information about digital marketing and success strategies that translate to any business owner. And I know I appreciated the time he shared with us today. Jeff, thank you again. I'll chat with you all again on the next podcast when you tune into Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Have a great week.